You are listening to Gaining Christ Audio, a ministry designed to teach the truth of God from the Bible to encourage you in your knowledge of God, as well as your confidence, gratitude, and faithfulness in Him. Welcome and thank you for joining us. Would you like to hear a beautiful story? If so, listen carefully as we review the details of one of the most beautiful and powerful events in the Bible, the story of David and Mephibosheth, and discuss how this event clearly illustrates the love, kindness, and mercy of God, and the hope for you and me. As you may know, the story of David and Mephibosheth is beautiful. It is fantastic, actually heartwarming if you dig into it. The exceeding kindness of King David to a young crippled man named Mephibosheth. The story is found in 2 Samuel chapter 9 in the Old Covenant Scriptures. At this time, David is the king of Israel. In 1000 BC, 3000 years ago, he is regarded as the greatest king in Israel's history. Before he was king, he was a young shepherd boy in Bethlehem taking care of his father's sheep. As a young boy, He's actually anointed by the prophet Samuel to be the future king of Israel. He becomes a national hero when he defeats the Philistine giant Goliath in the Valley of Elah. And this would yield great results and fame for David, but at the same time, a lot of problems because the first king of Israel, Saul, who was king when David killed Goliath, becomes jealous of the power and the giftedness and the fame of David, where he tries to kill him on a few occasions. Saul had a son named Jonathan. Jonathan and David are best friends. And they're so close and care so much about one another that they make a covenant between themselves that they will protect one another's family in the event one of them dies. In 1 Samuel chapter 20, starting in verse 13, I'll read this real quickly. Jonathan and David make a covenant, and, and Jonathan says to David the following, May the Lord be with you as he has been with my father. And if I am still alive, me or anyone in my family, when you become king, basically, show me the steadfast love of the Lord that I may not die. And do not cut off your steadfast love from my house when the Lord cuts off every one of the enemies of David from the face of the earth. And Jonathan made a covenant with David. Basically, if I die, do not kill my family, please. Would you please show grace and mercy to the family when you're king and allow them to live and give them favor? And David agrees to do this because of his friendship. And then uh, shortly thereafter, Saul and Jonathan are both killed in a battle against the Philistines. And David now becomes king. 
as a result of the death of Jonathan and Saul, an event takes place which is captured in 2 Samuel 4 because Jonathan actually has a son named Mephibosheth. And here's what it reads, this one verse. Jonathan, the son of Saul, had a son who was crippled in his feet. He was five years old when the news of Saul and Jonathan's death came to him. And his nurse, who was watching over him, his young boy, took him up and fled in haste you know, out of fear of David, now king, thinking David would seek revenge and wipe out all of Saul's family line. And during this fleeing, he fell and became crippled, and his name is Mephibosheth. So as our story begins, David is reigning as king in Jerusalem. He has made Jerusalem the capital city. He's a hero. He lives in the city, and with great success and power, and his palace is there. And this is where we are when 2 Samuel 9 begins. And here's how it is. I'm going to read read the chapter, and then we're going to unpack it and see how marvelous this story and its illustration is. David said, Is there any family left in the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake, due to their covenant and friendship? Now, there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. And they brought him to David, and the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant. And the king said, Is there anyone left in the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God to him? And Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in his feet. The king said to him, Where is he? And Ziba answered, he is in the house of Makir, the son of Amiel, in Lodavar. This is outside of Israel, probably on the east side of the Jordan River. The, then King David sent for him and brought him from the house of Makir, the son of Amiel, at Lodavar. His name was Mephibosheth. And when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David, he fell on his face and bowed down in reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold, I am your servant. And David said to him, Do not fear, for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan. And I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your father, your grandson. And you shall eat at my table always. And Mephibosheth paid homage and said, What is your servant that you would have regard for a dead dog like me? Then King David called Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, All that belonged to Saul and all of his house I give to your master's grandson. And you and your son Ziba and your servant shall till the land for him and shall bring in the produce that your master's grandson may have bread to eat. And Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, shall always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, according to all my lord the king commands his servant, so will your servant do. 
So Mephibosheth ate at King David's table like one of the king's own sons. And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Mekah. And all who lived in Ziba's house became Mephibosheth's servants. So Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem, and he ate always at the king's table. Now he was crippled in both his feet. Wow. (laughs) That is a beautiful story, no doubt. You have a young boy, the son of Jonathan, in line to be a prince, maybe even king one day. His name's Mephibosheth. And in a fall, he is crippled while he and the nurse taking care of him are running from the king. From this privilege of the king's grandson to finding himself one day after this living in this place called Lodabar, which if you know Hebrew means not a thing, of nothing. It's the city of no pasture, the city of nothingness. And it it is very likely it's on the east side of the Jordan River, outside of Israel somewhere, and he's basically doing nothing. He's crippled. He can't really do anything. He has no value whatsoever to Israel to serve in the army or to serve in agriculture as a farmer. Uh, There's no IT jobs. He can't code at a desk behind a computer because computers do not exist then. And he's living outside of his homeland, away from his people, with, with no real security, no real identity, and probably not a love of lot of lot, not a lot of love and, and hope and joy and, and uh, confidence in his heart. And uh, he's an outcast. I mean, just think how he felt. I mean, and then thinking that the reason that he's crippled is because he was running from the king and he probably goes back over that thinking, if I had not run and fallen, the possessions I might have and what I could do with my life. And then David learns about him because David is faithful to the covenant and his friendship to Jonathan and then sends one of Saul's servants to go find him and bring him to him. And then this Ziba brings Mephibosheth to King David. And then when Mephibosheth, you know, faces the king, he probably doesn't know what the king's going to do because maybe David will kill him and his son to get rid of all of Saul's family line. And so he bows down in reverence. He's afraid. David tells him not to be afraid. And he even states to David, what do you want with a dead dog like me? And then David tells him, well, I'm here to give you grace and love and mercy for your father's sake. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, all 5,000 acres, whatever it is. And uh, Ziba and his sons and servants are going to work the land and land and farm for you. And furthermore, you're going to eat with me every day. You're going to eat at my table with my family, my wife, Mikal, and my six sons and my daughter at the time. You're going to eat with us and like one of my own sons. And you're going to have a place in Jerusalem here. I mean, just think about it from a place of nothingness 
to the premier spot in all of Israel, the dinner table of King David. Imagine what he listened to and heard and the conversations they had and the privileges and the food and the quality and the treatment, whatever he wanted. No telling what he ate at Lodavar, and now he's eating at the king's ta- table. And just think about the his identity from a dead dog in his heart to having no contribution to society to now having identity as basically an adopted son of David eating at his Dave at his table who wouldn't want to eat at the king's table and here's this Mephibosheth eating there and the love and the favor and the kindness and the security that he feels and the hope and the peace in his heart and the protection and the joy I'm sure that he felt and as you may already know or picking up on this is absolutely a crystal clear picture of the grace of God to us through the gospel. We are all Mephibosheths, especially if you believe and trust in Jesus Christ. Every single person who is or becomes a believer in Christ Jesus, hopefully you, my friend, is a Mephibosheth. Every detail connects. How so, you may ask? Well, Mephibosheth was crippled by a fall. You and I are more than crippled by a fall. We were spiritually killed by a fall. The fall of Adam, the first man that God made, who walked in harmony and had privileges with God in the Garden of Eden till he rebelled against God and ate the forbidden fruit, And then he was kicked out of the garden, separated from God, and he lost his spiritual life and was spiritually dead. And because we're all descendants of Adam, according to the Bible very clearly, we are all conceived and born in not spiritual crippledness, as some think, but spiritual death. And we're running from God just like Adam ran from God. It may not feel like we run from God. Mephibosheth ran from the king. We're running from the king through our ideas and false religions and philosophies, denying the truth of God or fabricating some idea of God that doesn't really exist and that God's just some fluffy Santa Claus. So we don't really bow down and worship God in our spiritually dead state. We just want whatever he may give us and some perks in this lifetime. And we have no ability to reconcile ourselves to God, even though some people think we can through our good works and merits and religiosity, which never work according to the Bible. And we may not be living on the east side of the Jordan River, but we're all living in a place of nothingness, in a place of no pasture, because we have no spiritual life and we have no communion with God prior to the work of God's grace coming into our life, just like prior to Mephibosheth before David sent Ziba to call him to the palace. Truthfully, whether we realize this or not, if you are not in Christ Jesus through the spiritual rebirth of God and faith in Christ, you have no hope, no pasture, no way to please God. Mephibosheth cannot do any work in Israel, and you and I cannot do any God-pleasing work in our lives. We're separated from God. We're not friends with God. We live in hostility with God. And if you're like me and most others before we're saved, you live in insecurity. You live 
and self-centeredness. You live in confusion and doubt with some days maybe of happiness and other days of discouragement, even maybe depression. And your identity is what you do or what you cannot do rather than who God is in his favor on you. We're confused. We're angry, sad. We're vulnerable. We're afraid. And we don't have confidence for the future, even if we are very religious in our actions. And then what God does, as you hopefully know, as King David sent Ziba to go and grab Mephibosheth, Christ Jesus the King sends the Holy Spirit to summon you to himself. The Bible calls this process as being called by God. And what happens is, as the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ and its explanation of our sin and inability to please God, lacking the merits to please God, living in rebellion from God and the consequences of sin, which is eternal death and punishment, the gospel brings us the good news that there is hope through an evangelist, through a church service with someone preaching, through reading the Bible, maybe a podcast, a retreat, some message, the truth of God comes into one's ears as Christ, the King, the shepherd of your soul, is calling you to himself in this process, much like what Ziba did with Mephibosheth. And you're not even aware that this is what is happening because it feels like we go knock on the king's door and invite him to sit at our table. When in fact, what's happening when it's really happening is the king is coming at you, not in revenge and wrath, but in favor and kindness to tell you that you will soon be eating at his. And the gospel comes in and convicts our heart of who we truly are, a dead dog. And why would God want a dead dog? And we're living in a place of nothing, just like Mephibosheth. Even if you're at the top floor of a penthouse in some metropolitan city and you're running some big successful company or you're living in a cardboard cutout little box in Central America, it's all the same. We don't have spiritual pasture. We're not in communion with God in this state. God in his communion comes to us. And then by the grace of God, he applies the kindness saying, I'm not going to give you what you deserve. The penalty for your sins against me. I'm not coming at you in anger and wrath and revenge. I'm coming to you in love and grace and kindness through the gospel. Because I want you to eat with me at my table. King David himself had this experience. And maybe this motivated him to do it with Mephibosheth. Because spiritually, David was eating with the Lord at his table. As he says in Psalm 23 verse 5. When he says, you, O Lord, prepare a table before me. David 
spiritually was in relationship with Yahweh, the Lord, the God of the universe, and felt the privileges of that. And he talks about living and dwelling in the house of the Lord forever. This is what God is giving and calling sinners to, hopefully you. And not just a place where you spiritually dine with God, but yet you're an outsider even still. The gospel of Christ Jesus the King calls you to eat and become a member of God's eternal family, literally, whereby God adopts sinners separated from him into his family when he paid for our adoption and he paid for our sin through the blood of his own son in human flesh, Christ Jesus. And God in his kindness, not revenge, applies the merits of the king of the universe, Christ Jesus, in his perfect life crucifixion and resurrection to the dead dog, outcast, spiritually dead sinner, and a process by the Holy Spirit called spiritual rebirth, where he brings that person into recognition and reconciliation of God in faith in Christ Jesus, literally, where every single Believer in Christ from the beginning of mankind into the future is a member of God's family. The family, the Trinity of God, you become a son or daughter of God and you enjoy the benefits, all the benefits that God has to offer, not only at his spiritual table, but in his glorious kingdom forever where you have relationship, intimacy, security, favor, love, you feel purpose, you have identity in Christ, not this temporary, fragile, broken identity in your own performance based on how much you can do or unfortunately how much you cannot, but identity in Christ and the love of God and the hope and the joy, where you have citizenship and eternal residency, not in Jerusalem, although you may live there right now physically, but spiritually in the eternal city and the house of God and his eternal kingdom. And you may ask what motivated God through Christ Jesus to come after you personally as David went personally after Mephibosheth. In David's case, it was his love and friendship and covenant made with Jonathan, the father of Mephibosheth. Well, in your case, spiritually, my friend and hopeful brother in Christ or sister in Christ, it is because the covenant that God made with himself in Trinity before you ever existed in eternity past. The eternal covenant of God, truly, whereby God in Trinity and the Father and the Son specifically promise not only the details of eternal life and salvation, but the recipients of it as well. 
as the Bible says. The hope of eternal life which God promised to himself before time began. The covenant that motivated Christ to come after you personally. And the covenant which guarantees you to be in God's family and kingdom and his love and security, not only now, but all eternity. How beautiful is that? We are all Mephibosheths. And my friend, if you're listening right now and you are not truly a believer in Christ Jesus, which means you are not eating at God's table, even if someone is telling you some religious false story that you kind of are if you do their religious operation, what should you do in this case? Because you can't put yourself at the table and you cannot earn yourself at the table. The way in is exactly the way Mephibosheth ended up at David's table. So would you please ask Christ the King if he would have mercy on you and give you his loving grace to send the Holy Spirit to you and open your heart and your eyes to know your desperate need for his favor because of your dead dog life and rebellion and sin? And would you beg Christ the King not to give you revenge and wrath for your sins, but rather love and kindness and full forgiveness? Seriously, you will rarely hear that this is a recommendation to God because people will tell you again that no, it's your job to open the door, knock on it, and invite Jesus to come eat at your table. It doesn't work that way. He calls people in. Would you please ask Christ to bring you into his kingdom and invite you and and secure you for the wedding supper of the Lamb of God in the eternal kingdom of God forever? Praise the Lord. As beautiful and even heartwarming as the story is of David and Mephibosheth, is a heartwarming, soul-securing gospel truth of Christ Jesus to a broken and dead dog, place-of-nothing world where Christ literally calls sinners to his table in the family of God forever. Praise the Lord. Thank you very much for listening. Spread the word.